<clears throat> Yo, shit. It really has been a while, hey? Fuck, I actually thought that I'd forget how to do this. Anyway, yo, welcome to the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful show on a Thursday flipping evening. I'm gonna keep it nice and short, but knowing me, I'm probably gonna ramble. And then it's not gonna be so short anymore. But we do hope that we keep with the theme, right? You know? You know, sports made simple. I really hope you guys did not forget that's the name of the fucking show. Sports made simple with the Negro minded zombie. The most intelligent, the smartest, the most insightful, conscious zombie on the planet. It's very ironic because zombies don't have brains. But it, we, we got brains. Anyway, welcome to the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful show, man. Look, I don't even know where to start. The last time, well, I had my show, I was speaking to Bernard, um, Bernard Jr., he's a football player, plays on the wing, utility player, very intelligent player, it seems because of his conversations and what he wants to achieve, which is something that I want to see for the game of football in Africa, not just in South Africa, you know, they, like, why I say this is with the recent booing that happened when um, Pito Misamani actually came back to South Africa, that's time as a rival. And we all know that there's no, like, Sundowns as much as they are such a good team. Amilodi Sundowns, for those who don't know what Sundowns is. is um, It's one of the biggest teams in Southern Africa. Not even one of. They are the biggest team in Southern Africa. They've um, actually managed to win the CAF Champions League under the same coach that they're some of their dumb fans um, ostracize and make a noise about and boo and hiss. It's so stupid. You know, um, the game of football, I understand that it's full of emotion and, uh, and like a lot of things, like there's a lot of emotion and a lot of feeling that goes into the game of football. People go beyond just <clears throat> the, um, the, just what we see at, at, you know, at, you know, at a, you know, at a very close proximity and people don't realize that people who play sport football, tennis, cricket, are all human. They deal with their own things. People assume that when you have money, your problems instantaneously go away. No, the problems that go away are mostly material. So when you have money, you can afford more. You can do more. You can fly to different places. Your house is bigger. Your cars are better. You get um, better access to training facilities, better physios. You You know, one thing that, like has been proven throughout the years of sport is that all of this, the people can still afford that, but still choose not to go see it like a sports psychologist or a psychologist. And I see that there's now a growing need for like the sports psychologist because since the dawn or the beginning of the, you know, COVID-19, we've lived online, you know, everything has been so electronic, remote, you know, behind screens, which quite often makes people very anonymous, allows people to be anonymous, allows people to be ghosts, allows people to create fake identities. And it's fine and all, you know, you can create a fake identity, you can catfish as much as one. It becomes painful or bad when you start harming people behind the screen and saying all these nasty things and saying these fucked up things about the player merely because they didn't win something 
or things didn't go their way. We forget that these people are human. Yes, they are very talented. They're different. They train more. They get paid to do their job. But even you who works a corporate job, a nine to five, even you who's unemployed, even you who's hustling on your own, you know that it's very difficult to deal with a lot of the mental, you know, things that come with the job. It's not all, you can't, you won't always be victorious at work. And it's a very sad reality, just like how a football player, a tennis player, a cricket player has to come to terms with that. Cristiano Ronaldo didn't win everything in his career. So did Lionel Messi. They've seen else, major else, but we still consider them one of the best footballers in history. You know? Why I'm starting off my my episode like this is I want to talk about mental illness and mental health, especially in, in sport. It's very, very, very underestimated. I saw it during all these times, you know, these tough and trying times, particularly after the, you know, the European Super League debacle, which I want to talk about as well, but I just want to stick to this mental health thing before we move into that part of the episode. And why I come about this is I think about Serena, Venus, and, and you know, Naomi Osaka, who are like people of color. And we all know that tennis is a very expensive sport. You know, people who are not, you know, of a advantaged background cannot make it into game into sports like, you know, tennis, you know, lacrosse, golf. Because of the equipment, how expensive it is, you have to join very exclusive elite clubs for you to be even able to compete, you know, because the way you probably come from, nobody knows what lacrosse is or what tennis or cricket is but knows football and rugby you know but the one thing is that people of color always have to do the extraordinary to prove that they are special they have to either win ten thousand trophies to prove all the way around that they are better than their white counterpart or their caucasian counterpart in no way is this episode racist you know it's just to show you what is really happening and how how people have used, you know, institutional racism to limit people's ability to play the sport that they need to play. We look at Naomi Osaka, a very young, talented tennis player, possibly one of the best in her generation, if not the best. Obviously, it's Coco who's coming up as well, but she is the best in her generation. I believe that she's somewhat taking the baton from you know, your Venus, your Serena's, your Carolina Wozniakis, you know, your Azarenka's, who are like brilliant, 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 brilliant tennis players. But because she is, you know, mixed and not just Asian or not just black, she's mixed. There's also some sort of identity crisis that she faces in the sport, which impacts on her mental health. Because she's either getting racially abused, maybe she is being blocked from certain sponsorships despite her talent and her proving that she can be the next big thing she's already got more than two major grand slam titles by any standard she's already done better than the people that she looks up to which is venus and serena and you think that because of that success you think that she would be happy she would be smiling but it's not the case knowing naomi Osaka from watching TV 
from seeing her play Wimbledon, you know, the flashing mellows, all of that, you would assume that she is okay, but she isn't. And that's why she wrote the, the open letter that she wrote to the internet on Instagram, Twitter. You can go check it out on her, on her handle at, you know, Naomi Osaka, where she was talking some really deep hard things that she had fallen into a very deep pit of depression and anxiety, which is very, very unfortunate because there's this weird perception that society has that because she's so successful, she's so surrounded by money, sponsorships, endorsement, that everything will be fine. And it made me realize more and more and more how fucked up material conditions are because people think that the material things are the things that make you succeed the most. No, material things show a level of some sort of success. I'm not saying you should wear rags if you have the money to not wear rags. But I'm just saying that remove yourself from the thinking and the capacity or the understanding that money is the thing that makes you happy. She is probably also going to become one of the most high, like the highest, one of the highest paid athletes on the planet because of, you know, of her story, how she's coming up as a tennis player and how much better she's going to get. She is going to definitely win more Grand Slams, you know, after this mental rut that she, you know, she's going to escape. You know, her, her fellow tennis players send out messages venus actually said some really heartfelt things during her interview what a legend of the game you know and serena herself also put in her you know her, you know her grace and energy into the conversation so it put back into the spotlight mental health in sport and mental solitude you think, you look at what happened to Manchester United against Villarreal. By the way, congratulations to Villarreal uh, for winning the Europa League, their first ever European title. It's crazy how a team that was almost relegated two seasons ago is back to contesting in the top six of you know the, the Spanish league. It's a very amazing story to tell, honestly. But you see the mental solitude or the mental drain that it had on... The players, you know, you take, for example, Harry Maguire, who was injured before the final. I don't think he was taking it very well because it was a very instrumental part in their, you know, moving to the final. You know, I don't care what Manchester United fans think. That guy is a very good defender for them. And I think he's going to get better. And I think another thing that pisses me off the most about what I actually saw on the internet is the abuse, you know, that was going towards the, the black players, you know, using racism as a cover-up, you know, for saying, no, this guy's are terrible, but they're terrible because they're monkeys, and using very racist, derogatory terms, saying all sorts of nasty things to players like Fred, Marcus Ashford, you know, Juan Bissaka, and that's not good. I don't care how terrible a team does, there's no fucking room for racism, for homophobia, for any intolerance against anybody because of their class, creed, gender, sexual orientation or preference. There is no room for that. And you see it that a lot of people on the internet, I believe that a lot of fans on the internet are fucking cowards. You know, I believe that they are paper towel. Like I say that a lot. People who know me, who've read my work, because I'm also a writer. People who've read my work will know that 
I I look up to like a lot of Marxism type of ideology. And one I like on one phrase or one quote that I live by is all reactionaries are paper tigers. So they look scary, but they're just paper. And that's what I believe that people on the internet are. You know, these people who bully these, you know, these superstars merely because things didn't go their way. They forget that football, tennis, soccer, whatever, is a game of win or lose. And there's emotion behind that. But you can't let that thing drive you to becoming the intolerant, disgusting, ignorant bastard that you are. So I and the rest of the zombie tribe, we stand against any intolerance against anybody for despite their race creed class gender sexual preference or orientation we are against anybody who who discriminates or or stereotypes people according to that Uh, we believe especially me as a sports cut i believe that sport is I said when I started this when I started this segment that sport is one of the most powerful tools in the world because in the South African context and in most countries like countries like Syria it's used as a tool of nation building you know it is a tool that we can use as a as a yardstick or as a propellant for not just transformation but also development and and like unity especially unity amongst people because despite race there are certain people who are black who watch the supposedly white sport your ten your tennis your golfs your crickets your hockeys your rugby's of the world so this this thing sport is very important it's a very powerful glue that keeps us together absolutely and it absolutely does it very well so we need to respect the the presence of sport. Can't abuse people because your team fucking lost. Yes, you can criticize maybe the tactics or maybe the style of play, whatever it is, whatever sport you're watching. But you can't go and be abusive and be rude and sweat people's mothers now. Because now when I say this is because I'm like, this is what we see on the internet. And even you, you might be angry at your team or the player that you support or or whatever maybe you are a person who bets you know maybe you play things like i'm not I gonna advertise these things i'm not giving them free advertising fuck them <laughs> anyway those betting sites all of them including the lottery based one um then you tend to be very emotional because there's money involved but use your fucking brain and remember that the people who play those sports that you support and you love so much a human, just like you, they're not robots. We're never going to get to a point where we use robots to play sport. Because sport is such a human thing. Sport, like I said, is a, a tool of nation building, you see. So, and it should stay that way. Otherwise, we, we run the risk of us sitting here always constantly being abusive towards people because things don't go away. Sport is passion. It's about winning and losing. You have to compete. You have to get promoted, relegated. You have to be in a league. You have to go up the rank. You have to go lower the rank, you know. Which is also another reason why the ESL or the European Super League um, proposition was or proposal was a rather very dingy and absolutely fucking invalid and, and absolutely bonkers. 
Yes, fine. I believe as FIFA players, as ultimate team players, people wanted a Super League because it's the big teams. You We get to see the big players play against each other more often. But what about the smaller teams that have more heart, you know, drive? With a Super League of that nature, we would never have a Leicester City moment again where they won the Premier League all those years ago by a 500 to 1 odd. We're never going to have moments like Leicester winning an FA Cup final to to now Champions League winners who won against the favourites. You see how, do you see how football and sport in general needs a competitive edge? We need to be trying to achieve something. We need to be saying, no, let's go up the ranks. We need to be saying, no, I want to be promoted to the league. One, two, three, something of that kind. Not us making a super league because we all have fucking money. We are all worth 1.5 billion USD or whatever the hell it is. Let's form a league. So it's a very anti... First of all, it's a very anti-competitive behavior. It's a cartel, basically. You are taking 10 of the richest teams where two or three of those teams within that group are not achieving as much, you know, footballing success for them to even be warranted into a Super League. Anyway, they're not going to be competitive at all. Imagine putting a team like Tottenham Hotspurs. Tottenham hasn't won anything major in their club for more than 10 years, you know. And even beyond that, I don't think they've won the Premier League. Somebody will correct me. They've never won the Premier League. They have won the English League, but they've never won the Premier League. So they've never won a Champions League. They haven't won Europa League. They haven't even won a Community Shield. So what warrants them being in a Super League? But I ex- I ex- Amsterdam is not there. I am- Ajax Amsterdam is one of the most decorated teams in Champions League history. They have more than five Champions Leagues. I think they are tied with Bayern Munich and Barcelona, if I'm not mistaken. What warrants that a team like Juve that has been bottling finals three years in a row? Yes, fine. There are people who also make the same argument. Only bottled the final. Fuck y'all. You know. When we're talking about bottling, we're talking about when you have the opportunity constantly to make that final. You know what I mean? And you fuck it up. You're not even the underdog. But you fuck it up. You know, constantly so. Uh, I believe the term bottling is used very loosely. Honestly. And it's used to suit a certain agenda. But that's not the point I'm trying to make. point I'm saying is that the mental strain that... ESL would have put on the smaller teams and on the big teams themselves would have been devastating, you know? They, like I said, you can't put a team like Red Bull Leipzig. Leipzig was only established in 2009, man. What the fuck have they achieved? I think they've only achieved promotion and winning the Bundesliga too, which is apparently one of the most difficult um, lower leagues in the world. Almost as difficult as the as the, um, I think it's the Skybet Championship, which is like the, the second tier of English football, just after the Premier League. So the Championship, yes. So the mental strain that thing would have put in would have been mad devastating uh, for the players, for the managers, for anybody. Because when the ESL news dropped, the whole internet lost their shit. We came together as fans, Man City, Man United, everybody. And we, we, who were actively against our owners. All of us. Even Barcelona, Madrid, all of us. Because we, we always genuinely believe that 
like the most beautiful things about that sport, the beautiful game, is competitive edge. Pep Guardiola said this. I mean, this, what a loser. How do you lose to Chelsea? And I'm not offending. I'm not saying any, any shade, throwing shade to Chelsea. Chelsea is the biggest team in London. First of all, they've won the Champions League twice. They've won the Europa League twice. They have the second most Euro, um, FA Cups in history. They have, I mean, in, in terms of London teams, they have the second most Premier Leagues in London. They are the, the one thing that they have over Arsenal is that they have a lot of European success. Arsenal still has the unbeatables or the untouchable season, you know? But that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is about the ESL and how that would have turned out to be an absolutely fucking horrible idea. It would have ended up in flames. So I'm glad it was cut in its in its um in its tracks. And you know, may we never see anything like that again, you know. Because the beauty of football is seeing a team like Brentford make it from the third tier or whatever, or Forest Green Rovers, or a team from the Vararana, the, Var, the Varanarama. I hope I'm saying that right. The Varan, the Varanarama, Varanarama. It's Varanarama. Yes, that's why. So the Varanarama League, which is like a Sunday league, essentially, just like yeah, and and going up those ranks and that's something that we don't want to lose we don't want to lose that culture of competing and making it and being better and better and getting better and you know because pep even said you know football is not beautiful sometimes and how is it like he was talking about like football is it's an emotional game and the most beautiful thing about football is sometimes the beauty of it isn't losing he said this way before he lost the Champions League final, by the way. This is during the ESL thing. He says, how are you supposed to know the feeling of winning if you don't lose first? And he was saying that he was referring to the bigger teams already having an edge. They have their own league that they paid for. They're going to get money from. The rest of people are going to die out. Finally, because of this ESL thing, or Super League, it started giving us considerations. We started asking ourselves questions like, what can we do to better the game? How can we make the how can we expand the game? Things like um opening up the FA League, you know, the FA Cup, you know, and not just limiting it to English teams, you know, saying removing the Carabao Cup and then well not even removing it, like merging it into a uh, into a British um league. So outside of the Premier League, the Scottish League, the Welsh League and whatever, and then forming a league, right? That has like a cup-based league, so knockouts, and then there's a trophy at the end of those knockouts. So adding, you know, um, Rangers, Celtic, you know, in the same pool as Cardiff and Swansea and all the other English Premier League teams. So that was the idea um, that it brought about. So I think that would be a very nice consideration for like football fans because it means more football, you know. And I believe that. And I was, I was saying it to like my boy when we were talking about the Super League thing that I believe that the big the big dogs at UEFA and FIFA just merely are just angry because they didn't come up with the idea first. But then but then I realized that that they have every right to be angry. They know they 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 are part of a of a 
you know it's like being part of a union right and when you break the rules of the union you have to pay for breaking those rules so i think that's what happened but we're glad it's over right and we hope that you know also like the players everybody recovers from all that you know the fans that were subjected to that they continue to heal and and hopefully we can move back to like normalcy and never ever come up with some shit like that again yeah but on to other light things like i said congratulations to chelsea fc for winning their second champions league in history um they are also the only london team to have actually won the champions league and the europa league period they're the first and only so congratulations to them they absolutely played a scintillating game of football defensive masterclass by thomas Tuchel shut pep up and made his bald head boil we love to see it i'm a, I'm a man united fan so yes i would definitely love to see it um <laughs> but on top of that i can't go and, and be boastful as if my team did a good job in the final they were abysmal they played terribly yes it ended up with penalties and was now down to faith and luck but it also gave us an opportunity to realize a trophy wouldn't have shown that we would have progressed we would have probably said oh no we've won a trophy that's it for us you know and now we are hungrier i think or they are hungrier as a team man united and other teams like liverpool debor konate so they've shown their intent um Madrid finalized the signing of David Alaba. Barcelona concluded three signings in two days, and they got a new DOF or director of football in Jordi Cruyff, who is the son of the late Dutch legend, um, Mr. Johan Cruyff himself. So it's it's crazy. Football has been crazy. Sport has been crazy. Um, watching this, the race in Monaco, the F1, you know. Mercedes got white, they got washed. And it was it was Verstappen's show and contact color science show and we were just living in it. So yeah, it was it was brilliant to watch. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Who do I think is gonna win this this year's um F1? I don't know how to tell. It's gonna be the longest season in history. And yeah, but it's hard to tell. I think that um Verstappen might just edge it and Benz then maybe Ferrari or maybe a surprise package in McLaren or the Aston Martin so that's that and yeah now the Euros are about to start Euro Fantasy League is on teams have been released um the the worst for me I rate is England um because Southgate is an absolute fucking idiot you know and then I think the best team but you couldn't do much with France. And for maybe I think you could have switched his defense a bit more. But you you really have the, the one of the craziest depths in the world. Your main players all get injured. You still have more people to select. Laporte is now playing for, Fra- for, for Spain because he was born in the best county. So he is um he can he's a like he's a like a, a resident of France and Spain, so he's allowed to do that. But he chose to play for for Spain, which definitely means he'll get um, game time. He's starting, definitely starting next to Paul Torres. Spain is also a team to look out for. Portugal, same. Um, Belgium has gone past its years because they don't have 
a lot of t a lot of great players now that are peaking except for lukaku maybe and yeah pretty much lukaku so i i i think who do i think is going to take the euros i think it's going to be between spain maybe germany because they have a new coach and flick so maybe germany spain france maybe portugal might defend it but i think germany spain netherlands no they don't have a good team frank de boer has no idea what the fuck he's doing but yeah i believe that um france spain or germany is going to take it surprise package portugal italy yeah england i don't have faith in england that team that gareth southgate picked picked that thing with his ass he's not going to win anything with that team for real so yeah um yeah it's just the euros they start this month in a few days i'm so fucking excited i cannot wait um yeah top goal scorer i think is going to be between harry kane lukaku or cristiano ronaldo top assist it's probably going to be a winger um most likely kevin de bruyne best goalkeeper i think this is before the tournament has started you know so these are just predictions and in no way are you know me cooking slips or whatever i'm just saying yeah and then goalkeeper is probably gonna be manuel noah or or kotoa yeah and then coach probably going to be Luis andreke or hans flick we'll see as the tournament goes on i'm very excited too you know i can't wait to watch it um yeah it's gonna be lots of good football international football is always boring but competitive international football is dope so we're gonna see a lot of new young talents a lot of veterans trying to break their last of the records you know maybe a couple of you know defensive master classes attacking master classes goalkeeping master class you know how it is you know when people pull up for their set when they play for the country so we really i'm really looking forward to watching the euros um you can check them out when they start the athletics oh man south africa actually has a sprint team now you know we won a few weeks ago um if had i been able to fucking go on the <laughs> on my podcast i would have been able to tell you uh, we have a sprint team and it won and it was brilliant it was i think at the, um, it was the africa games i'm not sure i think it was the africa games and we did exceptionally well um and yeah yes and the olympics are going on they're still going on they're still you know going to be scheduled for august september you know if my dates are right i'm looking forward to that as well you know it's something that will change away or move us away from the insanity of us sitting and being like oh fuck yeah so i'm really looking forward to it and on that note guys thank you so much for joining the show <sighs> i know people have been down things have been fucked up but keep your head up stay strong stay safe wear a mask maintain as much social distancing as possible um please avoid crowded spaces and crowded rooms practice physical and social distancing as i've said please avoid hot spots like groove you know packed churches um packed malls you know you know very uncon- like very congested you know transportation avoid that shit yeah practice those things coronavirus is very real i don't want to hear it 
it's very real. It's killed people that we know and love, whether it be a parent, a friend, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a partner, whatever. But it's killed people. It's had devastating effects on our bodies, our economies, and our sport. You know, and most important, and most to note is that it's been very detrimental for our minds. So, you know, let's keep our heads up, stay smart, and do the things that need to be done. Continue watching sport. The season is fucking over now, you know. Congratulations to all the teams that won the league, especially Lille in France, for actually, you know, pushing front, um, PSG off their rocker. So, that's a very, it's a very good thing. Atletico Madrid for winning in Spain. Absolutely beautiful stuff. Scenes, man. And, yeah, Man City, fuck Man City. <laughs> anyway. Thank you so much for joining the show. You know, I love y'all. Te amo, te cuero. Stay safe. You know, take care of yourselves. And peace.